Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have any questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. We're going to open God's Word. We're going to hear the Christmas story. If you would turn to two Gospels, uh, Mark's gospel, or Luke's Gospel and Matthew's Gospel, we're going to be looking at the first couple of chapters in, in both of those accounts, Gospel writers Luke and Matthew. Encourage you to follow along. If, if you have a Bible, open it up. Turn it on. If you need one, there's probably one in the um, seat in front of you. Uh, you can find a Bible there. Encourage you to look. We're going to be reading together several passages of Scripture, Luke and Matthew. Uh, a brokerage firm, the brokerage firm E.F. Hutton, engineered perhaps what I would think may, may have been one of the most indelible advertising campaigns of the late 1970s and the 1980s. So some of you are doing the, the time check and say, oh, listen, not born. Um, so you may not remember this, but there are plenty of us here today who do. In the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, E.F. Hutton developed a series of uh, successful uh, uh, television ads, and the circumstances were always different. They would set up these little scenarios. They were different, but the message was the same. It'd be some crowded restroom, uh, 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 restaurant or some kind of a... Uh, by the way, that was a Freudian slip, restrooms. Um, crowded restaurant, but we've had some trouble in the restrooms. We're working on it, okay? So... Um, especially the crowd between um, the first and second services, we, we have one simple little pressure switch that's not doing its job. And so we'll, we'll, we're narrowing things down, we'll get it figured out, and uh, we can provide better service in the days ahead. But uh, please bear with us there. Uh, we've had some uh, mechanical issues the last couple of weeks. Um, couple of years. It's been, it's been quite, a, quite, a, quite an ordeal. Anyway, so we're working on that. Um, conversations in restaurants. And, and people would be talking about financial issues, right? And, and usually there'd be a scene where, you know, restaurant or a you know, crowded place, everyone's talking, everyone's doing it. And there's focused in on two or three people, and they're talking about financial issues. And at some point during this commercial, someone would finally turn and look at, at maybe the, the person that was a little bit more quiet in that conversation. They would say, well, what, what do you think about this financial decision? And they would say, well, you know, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, silence. In the restaurant, in the room, whatever, people, and they would stop to listen to whatever this person would say. So they wanted to hear the latest financial tip or advice, and at that point, an announcer broke in and would say something like this, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. The implication was clear. E.F. Hutton was so successful in the investment business that people would stop everything they were doing just to listen to what the broker would say. And when you think about it, it's sad that God doesn't get the same kind of respect as E.F. Hutton. When God speaks, 
people should listen. Unfortunately, generally, it's not the case many times. People are too busy, or sometimes people are too lazy, or sometimes people are too disobedient to stop and listen to God. But when we refuse to listen to God or do the things that put ourselves in a place where we can hear God's voice, we're the ones that that lose out. Look, God wants to, he, he yearns to speak to us and reveal himself to us. God wants to speak to us. But he insists that we have ears to hear, feet to respond with faith and obedience. Obedience is the key. Even when, when he speaks about things that don't fit our agenda or he speaks about things that don't you know, line up with our schedule, don't fit our schedule very well, or things that don't agree with our ideas. There's too many people that want to add Jesus to their own way of living. They don't, they don't want to pick up their cross daily and follow Christ and surrender to his word and his will. They, they want to add Jesus when it's convenient, when he speaks to us and says things to us that we don't necessarily like. Well, then sometimes we choose not to listen to that. But today we're talking about Christmas hope and God speaking to us. Last week we talked about what happens when God shows up or what happens when he doesn't. And of course we know God is omnipresent. But what happens when he shows up? What happens when he doesn't? We're talking today about what happens when God speaks up. We're going to talk about uh, in the following weeks what happens you know, when God holds us up. How does he hold us up? And then we're going to talk about how God gave himself up for us. But today, hope hope because God speaks up at Christmas. Now, Christmas seasons, they come and go. Uh, I, have, I have many of them in the books, so to speak, and, and so do you. And have you ever noticed how easy we can, we, we can become blasé to the, the miracle of the events of the birth of Jesus? We're so accustomed to the Christmas story, that it becomes old hat. Uh, I want to challenge us again this year to go back to that place of awe and wonder at what God was doing that first Christmas. And I wonder this morning if you're ready for or are you resisting the next wonder that God has in store for you? Now, again, you've already overcome some resistance to be here this morning. I'm grateful for that. But are you ready for waiting for what God is doing, what he's saying, and the wonder of it all? Or is it lost on you? Are you ready for or resisting hearing God speak to you this morning? Critical element in the Christian life, I believe, is hearing God. I I think it is safe to say this, that... It would be impossible to follow Christ, much less attempt to lead others to follow Christ, independent of your ability to hear his voice, to distinguish and respond to the voice of God in your life. The Christian way of of life is, is following Christ. God leads, we follow, instead of pursuing a way that seems right to ourselves. So we choose to trust God with our heart and our, our, our mind and our soul, leaning not on our understanding, but in all our ways, acknowledging Him. And, and He directs our steps. He makes our paths straight. So at the core of following Christ is a clear decision that we have to make of, of, of how we're going to 
you know, pursue life. So you can, you can say this. Um, well, I, I'm going to, uh, I don't really care what God says. Some people choose that. I don't care what God says. I'm going to do my life my way. There may be a God. doesn't really matter to me. That's maybe an agnostic way of, of approaching it. Others say, well, I have my plans, and, and God, I want you to do what I'm doing. I only, only recognize God when it's convenient to me. That's I mean, that's literally, that's a definition of, of practical atheism. So listen, God, I've I got my own plans. I'm going to do things my way. Um, I'm going to listen to God when it benefits me. When it doesn't, oh well. Or you can say, what is your will? Show me. Um, speak to me. Teach me. Tell me. And I will listen and obey. And that's the way that an actual Christ follower lives. Believing that God's will is the way that we should choose to go. It's listening to what God says in order to please Him. It, it produces a spiritual fruitfulness that is authored by the Holy Spirit living in you and through you. Now, one of the problems we have is, is we don't have immediate implications many times for rejecting what God has said to us. So there's times where you know, we, we think somehow because we've gotten by with kind of living our life our way, doing our own thing for so long, that it must be okay. But we need to know what God is saying. Knowing God's will means that you have to listen when God speaks. And so there's a question that needs to be asked at this point, and that's this. Why do we fail to discern God's voice? The answer is, many times we fail to listen. Good, good listening um, is kind of like tuning into a a radio station. When I was a kid, um, one of the sports teams that I followed there in the Midwest was the Minnesota Twins. So Rod Carew and Tony Oliva and Dan Ford and all these baseball players that were playing when I was a kid growing up. And <clears throat> there were times that those games would go pretty late in the night and, and my parents would send me to bed and, and, I, and I wanted to listen to the Minnesota Twins games. And so um, one, you know, I'm trying to figure out how am I going to do this, and, and my dad had a transistor radio. It was a little green transistor radio, and, um, I, and I, I saw it one time. I was looking through some stuff he had in a cabinet in a cupboard someplace, and I, and I found it, and I, and I snuck it up, and I thought, okay, this is going to be the answer to you know, staying up and listening to the Minnesota Twins. Well, such disappointment that first night when I figured out that the batteries were dead and there was no listening to the Twins game. But I had another time coming, and so I, I, I you know, prepared in advance, got batteries, um, I'm ready to listen to the Twins game, only to find out, see, I, I had three sisters. When you're, when you're an only, the only son and you have you know, th um, you know, three sisters, life isn't fair, and you learn that quick, and they rat you out for everything, right? So I'm, I'm in my room and by myself, but they're ratting me out because I'm, what's, what do you got going? Knock on the door, what are you listening to? All right, so then I got ratted out. So I knew I had, there had to be another way, and so... Um, my dad had, back in the day, um, you know, the, the, the beats of, um, you know, the 70s and the 80s were this one earpiece, big, long string, you plug it in, it had one earpiece and hard plastic. It hurt my ear, uh, you know, to stick it in there. I don't know, you have visions of a transistor radio in one ear. And I would listen to the Minnesota Twins. The problem is that the radio station, WNEX, Farm Radio, was covering the Minnesota Twins, right next to it was some religious statement station. 
and I was forever fighting the dial, trying to zero in between, um, you know, the Minnesota Twins and this preacher. You know, it happened to be coming on at around the same time. Well, listening to God <laughs> in some ways is, is, is like that. If you're half dialed in to the Lord's voice and half dialed into the world's voice, you're going to get static. Listening is not good. You need to hear God's voice. And when he speaks, people who follow Christ listen to him. Psalm 62 says this, For God alone my soul waits in silence. For God alone my soul waits in silence. My hope is from him. We get hope when we hear God's voice. If we lean on him while we wait, he'll give us the grace to wait and to listen to hear his voice. Our hope comes from hearing God's voice. But now here's the setting. At the end of the Old Testament... The book of um, Malachi, or um, Malachi, the Italian prophet, um, Malachi, what happens at the end of Malachi, there's a period of, of about 400 years where God doesn't speak. As the curtain draws to a close on the Old Testament, God is silent. There's no word from God. There are no prophets from God. There are new, no new scriptures being written during that time. God revealed nothing new to the Jewish people, not a single word. He, now, he's very much involved in the world that he had created, but he didn't speak. There were 400 years of silent nights. Sometimes silence is a welcome friend. One of the things um, Rhonda and I did some time ago is we took carpet out of our main living area and we put down um, vinyl flooring. Guess what we're putting on top of the vinyl flooring now? Area rugs. You know why? Why, 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 why? Sound, 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 sound. Everything, 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 everything bounces around and it sounds terrible. You throw my wild and crazy family in that piece of, you know, that location, you toss in a couple kids and some of those ridiculous toys that I thought I had taken all the buzzers and buttons and honk honks and toot toots and everything out of, you know, I was draining batteries out of kids' toys for years. All have found new batteries because aren't they cute? It gets loud. Um... Silence is sometimes a welcome friend, but sometimes silence can be deafening. Deafening. The people ask, do you remember the last time that God spoke to us? Do you remember the last time God spoke to you? Somebody said, well, they asked the people there, you know, 400 years. Well, do you remember the last time God spoke to us? The answer was, um, no, not really. Not in my lifetime. There's that scroll that's old and dusty, but there's that scroll, of course. The people were losing hope that God would ever speak to them again. But we need hope. And at Christmas, we find hope because God spoke to us. Watch this. Thankfully, God did not remain silent forever. One day an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah the priest in the temple in Jerusalem. Scripture says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to him. I want you to notice this. Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. Notice verse 5. Here's the story. In the time of King Herod of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. 
His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now watch this. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And verse 10, And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, and then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Hello. That's a big deal. We're thinking, oh yeah, this is history. We're reading about it. We've heard this story all the time. You're standing there. God hasn't spoken for 400 years, and all of a sudden, boom, there's an angel standing at the, at the altar and has a message from God. Oh, I'm telling you, folks, this had Zechariah's attention. The wonder of it. Wait a minute. For 400 years, nothing. The priest goes in. He hears uh, he sees this, this angel. Now, I want you to see. Well, let's keep going. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And then he says something very personal to him. He says, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. John. Now, let's look and see how God spoke at Christmas and the hope that we have because God spoke. First of all, I just identify in some of these Christmas passages how God spoke at Christmas. So first of all, he spoke with angels. He spoke with signs in extraordinary ways. So first of all, to Zechariah. So Gabriel is standing in the, in the presence of God and and he's the one now who comes to Zechariah and he speaks. He, he says to, to Zechariah, you're going to have a son and you're going you're to name him John. And Zechariah, his wife Elizabeth, they were old. She was barren. Zechariah struggles with a message. <laughs> and now God is speaking, but Zechariah is not speaking, at least for nine months. Um, he said, because you, know, you've, you have doubted or you have wondered, you've been you know, caught off guard by this, he said, listen, God says, you're not going to speak until your son is born. Um, this John, who is this John? It was John the Baptist, the one sent to announce who Christ was. 400 years, God hasn't spoken. All of a sudden, there he is. He uses an angel to speak. But I want you to see in Luke chapter 2, notice verse 26 and following, another way that God spoke through an angel. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, Gabriel again, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will all this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is 
going to have a child in her old age, and she who has, was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Now watch the verse 37. When God speaks, watch this. For no word from God will ever fail. That's just, I mean, you can just, you could camp out on that verse right there for a while. No word, when God speaks, no word from God will ever fail. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. One of the ways that God spoke, he spoke to Zechariah. He also spoke to Mary. Now I want you to notice in Matthew's gospel, go back over to Matthew chapter 1. Notice verse 18, God used an angel to speak to Joseph. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. We just read about that. Nothing that she had done. She was amazed by it. But she was, before they came together, found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until, he, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So here's an angel that is speaking to Joseph, to Zechariah, to, to, to Mary, and now to Joseph. But not only that, God spoke to the Magi, the wise men. Watch this in Matthew 2. Jesus... Um, was born in Bethlehem, Judea, from the time of King Herod, Magi from the east of Jerusalem. Where's the, you know, they, they came and they asked, where is this one who has been born king of the Jews? God revealed himself. He set a sign. He was, not only did he send angelic messengers, but he hung this sign. Um, we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So God spoke to his people. He, he spoke to Zechariah. He spoke to Mary. He spoke to Joseph. He, he spoke to the Magi. And notice in Luke chapter 2, if you go back to, to Luke's gospel, you'll see that um, he continues to speak as he identifies himself to the, the shepherds. God spoke to the shepherds out in the field watching their flocks. Verse 8 through 15. Read that with me. Luke 8, uh, verse 8 simply says this, that there, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. So here's another angelic sound. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing which the Lord has told us about. See, God began to speak. 
He was speaking to Zechariah the priest. He began to speak to Mary. He began to speak to Joseph. He spoke to, to um, the Magi. He spoke to the shepherds. So God uses angels in the Christmas story. He used angels and, and signs um, in extraordinary ways. That's how God spoke that first Christmas. But notice, he also spoke to ordinary people doing ordinary things. The priest, Zechariah, was just doing what he was always doing. He was working in the temple. He spoke to an ordinary person, a young Jewish teenager. Mary, she's minding her own business, preparing for life and um, for marriage. Again, we think we look back and say, "Listen, um, here's a here's a Christmas story, and here's here's Mary. She's a she's a young girl, you know, about to be. Uh, she's betrothed, going to be marrying Joseph, and." Uh, they're, they're making all the final arrangements, and, and then she's going to be moving you know, in, in with Joseph and, and you know, happily ever after, um, whatever. And all of a sudden, in an instant, her, her life is, is, is turned upside down. But she's just an ordinary person, and God chose to speak to her. Sometimes, because so much of the Bible is, is written as a history, uh, in order to understand the conduct, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the person who's, who it's being written about. Can you imagine what she was going through? But I, I, want you, I want you to see the hope in this, that God spoke to a young Jewish teenager, Mary, a woman. And I don't think this should be lost on us. It should give you hope. You see, Mary was in a small place, Nazareth in Galilee. She was in a small place, but watch this, God knew her name, God knew her address, and God spoke to her. You might feel sometimes like you're an insignificant person in the world. How could God possibly know where I am and what situation I'm in? Listen, God knew her name, he knew her location, and he knew how to get a hold of her. That ought to give you hope. He, 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 God speaks to ordinary people doing ordinary things. There's something else that gives me hope. Apparently, it's okay to ask God questions from a right attitude. She goes, how is this going to be? <laughs> we just read about Zechariah. When he, he questioned God, there was something that um, w was wrong in, in, in his, his heart or attitude. So he, he, he wasn't able to speak until his son, John, John the Baptist, was born. Mary asked a question, how will it be? It wasn't a lack of faith. It was a question of understanding the pathway. God, you're speaking to me. How is this going to be? How are you going to work this out? Hard to blame her for asking. Her life was about to change. God also spoke to an ordinary person when he spoke to Joseph, uh, just a, a young Jewish carpenter, minding his own business, preparing for marriage, a life of service. Mary got, got interesting enough, Mary got a face-to-face -face with Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the announcing angels. Michael was the archangel, one of the fighting angels. But Gabriel came and had a face-to-face -face with Mary. Joseph, he, he gets a dream. Um, and jo Joseph had a lot, of, a lot riding on this. He had, he had to, a lot to take on faith. But what I love about this story is that the Lord provided for the journey what he required, you know, the things that he was requiring. It's not always the case. But in this case, God spoke to Joseph. He said, listen, I want you to explain this. This isn't, Mary's, this isn't something that Mary has done that's wrong. And he, and he explained it to Joseph. It helped Joseph as he was moving along. God spoke to an ordinary little Jewish carpenter boy. That gives me hope. If he can speak to Joseph, he can speak 
to me. He also spoke to some shepherds. These, these shepherds, um, they're out of the limelight workers who, who work with animals for a living, common sense kind of guys who don't get all caught up in the affairs of, of the people who think they're so important. In fact, these may have been younger shepherds. It was, it was at night, and, and, and the older shepherds during the day, the younger shepherds, you know, they're staying up late around the fire. The sheep are already kind of penned in, hemmed in, and, and the younger shepherds are trusted and indeed um, you know, maybe, maybe even low on the pecking order because they pulled night shift. Here's something to at least to notice in the story. A young virgin, a young husband-to-be, young shepherds. What is encouraging is that God speaks to ordinary people who are doing ordinary things. And in all this case, these may have been fairly young people. Not seasoned veterans, but young people. God speaks to young people. Remember Samuel, the young boy with the priest? One of the things that I think we ought to remind ourselves as adults is we need to make it easy for young people to hear God's voice. Here's some ways that I think we can do that. We need to teach children and teens to hear God's voice. God speaks to young people. Here's some ways to do that. Assume that God speaks to to young people as well as old. So listen, could God possibly be speaking to them? Absolutely he can. I think that's a key thing for us. Assure young people that God wants to reveal his will to them. Remind children and teenagers that, that God loves them and wants to reveal himself to them. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 says, I, it, I believe this applies to, to young people too, not just an older, older generation, but it says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God can give spiritual knowledge and spiritual understanding to children and young people. As parents and grandparents, I think we have an opportunity to cultivate that. Here's something else. Encourage young people to obey God's general will. You say, how do you, how do you hear more of God? I will tell you this, that there, there are general things in Scripture that God has called us to, to hear. He, it, it's been plain. It's plain to see. Um, and, and, and so we encourage, um, you know, as, as older people or as mature Christians, you encourage uh, younger people or younger Christians to do and obey what is you know, the, the general word of God, what, what God has said generally. Because many times young people are talking about, you know, um, you know where should I go to school and, and who should I marry and, and what kind of job should I get and should, you know, should I buy or rent or what kind of car do I drive, those kinds of specific things. But if a person has learned to obey and hear the voice of God on general things, is this true in your life as well? That many times then, what you find out is that God begins to speak on more specific things. If we're not doing what God has generally told us to do, why would he give us more specific things? I don't know if that's true in your life. It's been true in mine. That one of the things we can do to encourage young people to hear God's voice in their life on specific things is encourage them to hear what God is saying generally. Maybe one more thing. Encourage young people or people who are new in the faith to read God's Word. God is revealing Himself on the pages of Holy Writ. You find Christ in Scripture. And to encourage people to find 
Christ, to hear God's voice in Scripture. So there are times, I don't know how it is with you, there are times when I'm reading Scripture and I'm reading, and in fact, one of the things that I did as a, as a discipline was trying to get through um, large amounts of Scripture, okay? And I thought to myself, I'm reading, but am I, am I hearing? I, I, I would listen even to portions of Scripture. I'm listening, but am I hearing? And I gave, my permission, I gave myself permission a few years ago to read so that God would speak to me. And sometimes it's a, a verse, sometimes it's a part of a verse, sometimes it gets stuck on a word. We need to encourage people to, 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 to understand God's Word, to read God's Word. I think another way we encourage people to hear God's voice is through prayer. We communicate with Him that way. I think another thing is to be aware of, of the Holy Spirit and how God works um, you know, through, through that. So we're, we're encouraging people to be in the Word, seeking the Lord through prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit. All of that is important to clearly hear the, void, the, the Lord's voice. And as parents and grandparents, you and I have an opportunity to set an example for our children that God speaks to those who take time to listen. God speaks to those who take time to listen. So, indeed, that's, he spoke through ordinary people doing ordinary things. But watch this. He also spoke um, by prophetic words, and he used people. So I want you to see this. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 39, God spoke a prophetic word through Elizabeth to Mary. Look at verse 39, Luke 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready. She hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. Remember, Zechariah you know, has this encounter with Gabriel. You're going to have a child. Your wife is going to have a son. You're of old age. You're barren, but you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. Elizabeth, when she heard Mary's greeting, verse 41... The baby leaped in her womb. Watch this. Here's, here's a prophetic word. God used Elizabeth to speak into Mary's life. In a loud voice, she exclaimed. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. There are times she was full of the Spirit of God, and God, when Mary walked in, she, has, she is carrying um, the, the, the Son of God. In, in, in her womb. And when she walks in, Mary, uh, um, she walks into Elizabeth's presence. Elizabeth, filled with the Spirit of God, sees it, recognizes it, calls it out and says, listen, Mary. It, it said she exclaimed in a loud voice, you are blessed. You are blessed. Why am I blessed? Because the child in you, the one you were bearing, you, you, are, you, you are blessed among women. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, Elizabeth said. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. God used uh, a, a, another woman, a prophetic word. God used people filled by the Holy Spirit. You want to see this in another place? Anna and um, Simeon, where they're talking to Mary and Joseph about Jesus. Now, this one is in uh, Luke 2, verse 22. The time came for the purification. Christ has been born. 
Time, time came for the purification, purification rites required by the law of Moses, and Joseph and Mary took him, that was Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. Now watch this, verse 25. God used uh, some prophetic words from Simeon to encourage Mary and, and Joseph. Now there was a, a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit. Again, people full of the Spirit, moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child of Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, watch this, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. He said, listen, I see exactly what has happened. God revealed that to him. God spoke to Simeon, and then through these prophetic words, he, he affirms to Mary and Joseph what they already knew. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I, I, I will not die till I see the Lord's child. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Powerful. Powerful. Indeed, he revealed his will, his word, through a prophetic word that God gave to Simeon. Well, how else did God speak? Well, he spoke with dreams and visions. We've already talked a little bit about that. Zechariah, we talked about him. He was in the temple for a long time. It says when he came out from being in there, they wonder, what's taking so long? He came out, he was speechless, but beyond that, the people took one look at him, and Scripture says they realized that he had seen a vision. God spoke hope at Christmas through a vision. He said to Zechariah, you're, you're going to have a son, a, a, a man whose who's lifelong ambition to have a son or to have a child, to have offspring with his, his wife, and, and, and God spoke hope at Christmas through a vision, through a vision. Joseph had a dream about Mary being pregnant. The Magi, um, if you read the story of the Magi, they have an encounter with King Herod before they find the place where Christ was. And you, you see this in, um, in uh, Matthew's Gospel. Um, go to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Notice verse 7. Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact place that the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him too. What he wanted to do was, was destroy this one who was hailed king of the Jews. Didn't want any competition. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, worshipped him. They opened their treasures, presented him with gold, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now watch this. And having been warned in a dream, God spoke in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. He spoke to the Magi. Notice another way that God spoke at Christmas was through written word. Zechariah's words of Scripture 
He's, he's quoting, um, he's quoting in, in uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 69 following. He said, he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Watch this, verse 70. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago. So here's Zechariah, who's, who's his, his song of praise to God. But literally what he's doing is he's quoting Scripture. Salvation from our enemies and from the, and the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear. And so here is Zechariah um, with the written word. You see, from the Old Testament, Zechariah was knowledgeable of the Old Testament. He understood how God had redeemed uh, his people. He, he realized how Noah uh, had been uh, elected to, to redeem the family from the, you know, the, the family of God from the global flood. He, he, he knew how Moses was used to redeem Israel from um, Egyptian slavery. He, he used Cyrus to redeem Israel from Babylonian um, um, oppression. And now he sees this and he says, God is raising up a horn of salvation in the past. And now in Christ, he sees a mighty Savior. Ezekiel 29, 21. On that day, I will cause a horn to grow for the Israelites and I will open your mouth among them. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And God spoke even through his written word because someone said, listen, this is, this is from the prophets of long ago, and this is that. And they made the connection. And, and God's word, God began to speak truth from his word. The Magi, their words in Scripture, what the prophets have, have written, they talked about, listen, we know, we know of this one. He's supposed to be born. And when we have seen the star, we've seen the sign. But we also know from written word, from testimony in the past, that God reveals himself. And he, and, he, and he speaks in his written word. God speaks through his word, and through it he invites us to come find him. And so at Christmas, God spoke through his written word. Now watch this. He speaks in a lot of ways, but one of the main ways that he speaks to us these days is through his word. Watch this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is living, active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow discerning the thoughts, the intentions of the heart. Second Timothy says all Scripture is, is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, correction, for training in righteousness so that we can be equipped for every good work. We want to know what does God say? He speaks to us through his written word. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. His word. I want you to see one more way that God spoke at Christmas. When God speaks up, we should listen. He spoke through his Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 1, verse 41, we've already mentioned it, Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. God speaks through his Holy Spirit. In Luke 1, verse 67, Zechariah, Scripture says, filled with the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. In Luke 2, verse 27, Simeon is filled with the Holy Spirit. In all of those cases, uh, God, the, the, presence, the, the power of God living them, living within them, the Spirit of God spoke to them and they were able to affirm or, or, or validate or to, 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 to um, confirm what God was saying 
And for those who heard it, Mary and Joseph heard over and over again the confirmation. Mary heard it from Elizabeth. Um, um, Zechariah, filled with the, the Spirit of God, said, listen, this is what this is. In fact, um, again, filled with the Spirit of God when, when it came time to, to, to announce who the Christ was, and he, he was filled with the Spirit. He knew. He made a declaration. Simeon, this, this is the Lord's anointed one, the Messiah. God was no longer silent. The Lord had revealed himself. God had spoken. The good news of the gospel is that God has broken the silence of history. He has spoken in so many ways, and at so many times he has he, and he, and then at Christmas, what we also celebrate is how he spoke in the most personal way possible. He th- spoke through his own son. I'm going to invite the team to come, and they're going to lead us in, in our last song. Let me just close with this. How does God speak at Christmas? He spoke through angels. Scripture says, don't you know, beware lest you entertain angels unaware. God spoke with angels, and I think we're reminded in Scripture that we ought to be aware that sometimes there may be angels in our midst who would speak to us as well. There are signs, there are extraordinary ways. God spoke that first Christmas. He broke the silence, 400 years of silence, and he sent signs as simple as a star, as complex as a star. And God still speaks to us today through angels. For people who can hear his voice and see what he's doing, angels and signs, God speaks to ordinary people in ordinary ways. He may use angels and signs in extraordinary ways, but he also will speak to ordinary people doing ordinary things. God wants to speak to you. God wants to reveal his word and his will to you. Scripture talks about praying and asking. Ask, seek, knock. Doors will be open. God spoke that first Christmas through prophetic words through people. I believe that God still speaks today prophetic words through people. There have been times in my life where someone looked at me and there were things they did not know, they could not know. that they spoke directly to me by something they said. I believe people filled with the Spirit of God. Those people were filled with the Spirit of God. People filled by the Spirit of God can hear God's voice. He can say things. And you look and say, listen, who's been reading my mail? God still does that today. Scripture says that in the end times, old men and young men, they'll have dreams and they'll have visions. God still speaks through dreams and visions. That we would hear the voice of God. God, of course, speaks through his written word. The timeless truth, the 66 books of the Old and New Testament. You want to know what God has said? You can find out on the pages of Holy Writ. Read it. God will speak to you. When you get stuck, say, Holy Spirit, 
I need you to illuminate my mind and my heart. I need to understand. Who can know the depths of this? You'll never, you'll never understand all of it. You'll never be able to grasp every, every piece of what God has revealed to us, but that's no reason to quit and give up and to sell yourself short. God wants to speak to you. I believe because we serve a God who doesn't sleep or doesn't slumber, there's not a morning go by. There's not an evening go by that God doesn't say, I have something for you. I have something for you. I want to tell you what I know. God spoke through his written word then. He speaks through his written word now. And by his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us, he quickens our mind, he quickens our heart, he quickens our lives. Hebrews chapter 1 says it this way. Long ago, and many times, and in many ways, God spoke to us. He spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand the majesty on high. At Christmas we remember that God spoke to us when he sent Jesus Christ, his only son, into the world. And it was a demonstration of love. Here's what God wants you to know. He loves you. He loves you. So much so that he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sin. It cost him his life. He laid it down and by the power of of God Almighty. He picked his life back up. He overcame the grave. He conquered death and hell. He defeated Satan on the cross. And he offers us eternal life. He said, I love you. He's communicating a story to us. God is speaking. No longer in that 400 years, we're in a time when God is speaking to his people. I'm reminded at the end of this scripture, this, this word that God has spoken to us that we haven't write. The writer, John, he's writing to the churches and here's what he says. He who has ears to hear, it's to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. One of the great gifts of Christmas, one of the hopes we have at Christmas is that God spoke. And he's revealed himself to us. He continues to do it. And he wants to speak to you. Heavenly Father, thank you. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see what you're saying to the churches. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world 